This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. It's your club and this is your show. So a week off for the Premier League should mean it's a quiet time to return to domestic action, shouldn't it? But as always, things aren't quite that simple. A spat between the Brazilian FA and the Premier League clubs that didn't release their players to travel to a red list country for international duty could mean those players are suspended. We'll get more on that later on. If that wasn't enough, though, the Champions League returns and City are in the group of death. So how are you feeling about that? Nervous at the prospect or excited by the competition being interesting this side of Christmas for once? Or maybe you're just thankful not to have to face Shakhtar once again. So let's get on with it. Let's look ahead to games with Leicester and RB Leipzig. And we're also going to hear from the former City defender Richard Jobson on this week's Blue Moon podcast. I'm David Mooney. With me are two City fans, Paul Atherton. Hi, Mins. And Chris Higginbottom. Hello there, you all right? Not too bad, thanks, Chris. Paul, you well? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's been a while. Uh, I mean, we, we see each other a lot, but uh, it's been a while that you've been on the show. Yeah, no, no, I've missed it. I think it's with uh, COVID, it's been earlier recording, so it's uh, good to have an evening one and get back involved and the uh, season's just started, so it's a good time to come back. Yeah, it makes, uh, makes a change from me shouting at you to run back and defend as well, doesn't it? So uh, I'm, yeah, being, yeah, I'm exactly. being nice to you tonight. Yeah. Um, Chris, I've got a bone to pick with you before we start. Um, oh, Christ, because, get, on the, uh, get on the list with the others. Yeah, me and you were at uh, Helen, who does the podcast from time to time, her wedding on Saturday night. Congratulations, Helen. Um, Congrats. But also... Uh, you, my partner uh, on Saturday night, said very much that uh, he did not want a Sambuca from you. And what did you do? Probably something generous and polite, knowing me. Um, maybe got him a Sambuca? You did, yeah. And um, he got spent. Yeah, he spent the whole of Sunday not feeling very well. So I hope you're happy with yourself. Oh, come on. You can't blame me for that. <laughs> I very much can and am doing, yeah. Fair enough. Probably my fault. Apologies. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yes, let's start with uh, the uh, the game against Leicester on Saturday. Uh, three o'clock kickoff, uh, King Power Stadium, which means uh, that the three pm blackout has been getting a little bit of uh, a bit of discussion recently. Um, I'm not going to this game, so uh, I'm guessing neither of you two are going to this game. So, have you got any plans to be able to watch it, uh, Paul? Let's start with you. No, no, I'm just gonna have to. <laughs> it's not. On, it's not on TV, is it? So, um, yeah, just have to probably listen listen on the radio, I think, or on the Score Centre. Yeah, well, I mean, well, obviously, um, the three PM blackout means we can't see this game and we can't see it live. So, mm. what what does that affect you? Are you are you in? Are you kind of pissed off about that, or is it more a case of because you're not you're not going to go to a non league game instead, are you? I think so. I think I, I missed last year. I just got in the in the sort of habit of you know City playing on a Wednesday night or, or Saturday, and I knew it'd be on TV invariably. I kind of missed that that sort of uh, predictability of it, but. You know the positive is that you know tendencies should should go up at games and um you know that it's kind of going back to the olden days I guess yeah. <laughs> or the days of eighteen months ago <laughs> yeah quite uh, Chris are you I mean are you in the same sort of vein because uh, I'll be like, watching the game yeah I mean that that's the other thing like with the rise of things like illegal streams it's it's whoa, very whoa, easy whoa, to whoa, you know, whoa, you know, let's yeah. not cast aspersions yeah what, well for all you know I might have a private helicopter I'm jetting off to the no, the nearest COVID-friendly country and watching it there and then just I, popping back for tea. I was not casting any aspersions. I was not suggesting you You're or I... You them or... about William Nilliam, it sounds like to me. I was not suggesting you or I or Paul would watch on, a, on an illegal stream. I was saying they exist and they're quite accessible for people these days, and a lot of people will be watching on illegal streams. That's um, disgusting. I mean, but basically, what I'm getting at is 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 the 3 p.m. blackout on uh, on Premier League games no longer needed because 
the games are going to be watched anyway. You may as well monetize that, and you may as well feed that money back into the game somewhere. And if you can give that to the lower league clubs that that you know are, are supposed to be able to get more people through the turnstiles, but people don't actually go, is that not a good thing? Definitely. I mean, you, you're quite right. That excuse that's been sort of bandied about since you know days of your oh, you can't show it because you know it's not fair on lower leagues and. It, Quite correctly, as you say, people don't. I'm not going to go to a lower league game because of that. I mean, I'd love to have the spare time to go to games all the time and go to lower league games when I'm not at City, but you know, I just don't have that kind of time on my hands. Um, and I don't think many people do. It's it's ridiculous that you know every country in the world can watch our league bar us. <laughs> yeah, just a bit stupid, really, isn't it? And like you say, if uh, if it was to be put back into the lower league clubs after being monetized then that's definitely going to get them far more money than um, than just not showing it. Yeah, I guess it's. I, I do guess that the the blackout isn't aimed at people like us anyway. It's aimed at the more casual fan who will go to any any sort any old game that's uh, that, that that's around. But uh, but yeah, I take the point. I think I think with uh, the Premier League strength, it's kind of gone in dips, hasn't it? Where it goes La Liga and then Premier League as the stronger teams overall. The Premier League is definitely the strongest league now. The strength and depth of like the top ten clubs as well. Like, how is it a game like City versus Leicester not on t- not on TV? You know, it's it's really sort of good attacking squads, good football. It's just uh, it just seems a bit strange that we're not it's not being monetized perhaps in the right way. Yeah. Um, but there's two arguments to it, isn't it? Isn't isn't there? So yeah, but it, and it is on TV if you're not in the UK. So uh, yeah, <laughs> there we are. Tell you what does annoy me about the um, the blackout issue for three o'clock Saturday games is that no one seems to be particularly asked about it till the second coming of Ronaldo at the Death Star, <laughs> and now it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, the doting public all need to see Ronaldo and his second coming at you know it's like. I don't think everyone wants to see that particularly. If they do, then good luck to him. But it, no. it's, it's just annoying that that's the way it's framed. It's like it should be a burning issue without that. Yeah, I just I, to be honest, I just want to see City at Leicester. I'm not that asked <laughs> about Ronaldo at United. I just absolutely love it if it's if he's just a damp squib. Does average? They do average. Retires with with a slight injury. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play. So let's bring in uh, Neil from Beyond the Ninety LCFC. Uh, Neil, it's it's only I mean it's only a couple of weeks since we last spoke ahead of the Community Shield. Uh, so how's how's Leicester's season been going since then? Yes, it was actually. I can't, again, that just feels like such a long time ago. But yeah, it was. It was. Season has been one of those weird points where we've been playing quite badly and say five out of ten, six out of ten. However, apart from the West Ambers game, which we got absolutely tranced. I mean. Uh, we'll give that's another half an hour rant in itself. <laughs> but um, in terms of the season in general, it's been it's been the performances have been okay, but the results have been good, and that's kind of after we've got. We're not playing our full or not playing our best. However, we're still getting results. At the end of the day, as you guys know, it's not the the three points are all that matters. So yeah, good position to be in um, so far, and hopefully with some players coming back, we'll probably get onto in a bit. Things are looking on the up. Yeah, do you, do you take confidence from winning the Community Shield? I mean, I, I'm guessing the two teams are not going to look like they did on on that that Saturday or Sunday. I, can't, I even can't remember what day it was. Um, but <laughs> uh, do you, can you take any confidence from having beaten City once already this season? I think I think so, and I think uh, listening to a couple of the interviews as well that Brendan Rodgers has done, 
he's kind of obviously this team is young and with that this is a lot of their a lot of the team this is one of their first trophy experience as well obviously with the FA Cup and all the new signings this was their first trophy experience as well so Brendan Rodgers has kind of instilled this mentality now of right if you want this if you want this more and more just believe in me and we'll do the right thing so um, yeah, it, it's a it's a big thing for. I know it wasn't as as big a thing for you guys because obviously the, the trophies you've been in. But you take it back before your ownership. This would have been massive to get to, and just to get a, to get your hands on a trophy, it, it's massive. And for us, we're just going through a stage now where we're growing into that. So yeah, for us, I think it's a it's a massive massive achievement to be honest, and it's some, something to not look over. Like I think a traditional top six would do. Yeah. Now uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to Chris and Paul for a second because there is a little story brewing here that um, we, at the time of recording we don't know if uh, City's Brazilians are going to be available for this game. Uh, the background to the story is that City didn't release Edison and Jesus for international duty uh, in um, over the over the last couple of uh, couple of games. On Sunday, Brazil's game with Argentina was suspended. Public health officials entered the pitch after it was alleged that the England-based Argentina players lied about their whereabouts before the game to be allowed into Brazil. Because as it stands, people who have been in the UK, South Africa or India during the previous 14 days are forbidden from entering Brazil unless they are Brazilian citizens. And obviously, if, they've, if they're Premier League players, they've been, they've been in uh, the UK. So the FAs can ask FIFA to ban players who are fit but don't turn up to international duty. The Brazilian FA has done this. Uh, Edison and Jesus would have been allowed into the country as, as Brazilian uh, citizens. Um, but the Premier League had agreed, all 20 Premier League clubs had agreed not to release players to red list countries uh, and they said they'd done it reluctantly. Now, uh, a couple of the Argentina players went, a couple of the Spurs players were um, went there without permission, for instance, um, and the players and the clubs uh, currently have the support of the European Club Association. Uh, Chris, it gets better though. Uh, because uh, obviously Edison is City's first choice goalkeeper. The second choice is Zach Steffen, who has recently tested positive for COVID, which means that if, if Edison is suspended, it's Scott Carson this weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a few twists and turns in that, that opening uh, salvo. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, with regard to the, the Brazil situation, I just... It's one of those things, isn't it, where common sense needs applying and you know for a fact that because it's football, that's, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, of course, you shouldn't be having to go um, traveling to, to Brazil because uh, there's still a pandemic on. And the, the Brazilian FA officials ran on the pitch, right? And they were protesting about Argentinian players that had made the journey in Brazil. Yeah, but they wanted the Brazil players to make that journey to play Argentina. Yeah. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. The, the the situation where, oh, you can come to Brazil if you're a Brazilian citizen. I mean, obviously, they're doing that from a perspective of not just opening the floodgates of people coming in. But surely, to God, you'd have to say to people, you know, if you don't want to... If you don't want to come on health grounds, then that's fair enough. And the reluctantly from the Premier League sounds like, like a little um, backdoor excuse type caveat term to put in. So when the shit hits the fan and they do get banned, they they're sort of able to wash their hands of it. I don't know. It's just yeah. all it's just all a bit of a mess. But getting back to um, the nitty gritty of what happens for us, yeah, casting in goal. I've not really got a problem with that. I mean. 
Edison, I prefer to have Edison there. Stefan, I, I like him. I think he's a, a good keeper. Um, but I would trust Carson as much as I would uh, Stefan, despite obviously preferring for uh, uh, Edison to, to be there. Yeah. I like I like Scott Carson. He's a bit of a legend around the place, isn't he? Was it Newcastle he played last? Yeah, and he conceded three goals. <laughs> yeah, and he absolutely bollocked everyone around him for for everyone <laughs> because <laughs> he was uh, obviously keen, keen to make a good impression. But I like him as a fellow uh, quag myself. That's <laughs> yeah. chap with a gap. Um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I, I just want good things, and I think uh, as long as he as long as he sets the tone and he's got good communication with with his defenders, I don't think he'll let us down. Yeah, Paul. Paul, I was going to ask you because obviously we've played together a lot during the pandemic. If I take my gloves yeah. off, I got a chance. Um, maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe <very> not. Kind. <laughs> no. no, I think he spends less time injured than you do. To be fair. Uh, well, um, yeah. I mean, that's a given. Yeah. No, I, but I, I agree with Chris. I think um, as far as third string goalkeepers go pretty good so i mean this could be a lot worse situation than uh, are, we, are we still on some... me here pretty good uh no still on, no, on, uh, on, on carson now yeah employed just, just professional yeah. footballer scott yeah. carson not here uh, yeah, professional I'm, podcaster yeah i'm a free <laughs> agent yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've been for 33 for years yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well goalkeepers do get better and they get, get in the mid 30s don't they so yeah I'm, st- I'm still waiting for the improvement i'm not gonna lie um the funny thing is though uh, as much as it might affect city with edison though um paul that there is the opportunity if jesus isn't there although jesus has started the season well uh, it gives an opportunity for somebody else to get back in at the top end of the pitch you look at someone like raheem sterling who's been coming off the bench uh riyad mares who obviously hasn't started the last couple of games either there is options there to replace jesus isn't there yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, Jesus, um, if not for the way he started the season, you know, you'd be looking at Sterling and, and Mares anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think it'd be good for Mares to get some more game time. And then the way Sterling's played for England throughout the summer and even, even sort of during the week, um, he just looks busy and he looks he, he looks like really on form and up for it at the moment. So, yeah, I'm sure Sterling can, uh, can slot in and cover. Neil, you must be finding all of this absolutely hilarious, must you? <laughs> I mean, the strength and depth of your squad is still unbelievable, to be honest. So, uh, and also just a, just a quick thing as well: Scott Carson obviously playing for Derby as well. He'll get he'll be reminded of that when he comes to Leicester. <laughs> let's let's not let's just say that. Uh, but yes, he'll definitely get a few boos. Um, and Jamie Vardy, I think again, if you it's interesting to say that, you, that Scott Carson is is as as good as Stefan because I think Stefan was really. I think him and Ake, I know Ake gave away the penalty, but Ake and uh, uh, Stefan were two of your best players in the in the Community Shield as well. Uh, really, really impressed with both of them. But the strength of depth is there, and we'll probably come into it in a second. We're lacking some players, and we're kind of having this, we don't know who's exactly going to play for Leicester City as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be a, it's, a, it's going to be a good good matchup, but Carson is definitely somebody that, if you're saying as good as Stefan, it's going to be a hard challenge to get by. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. In terms of uh, of Leicester as well, I mean City fans. City fans always fear Jamie Vardy because he always scores against us. We talked we talked about that last time. Um, how's he started the season? I mean, also you mentioned on, on the last time you were on Patson uh, Dacca, who is you, I think you described him as the new Vardy. How's he st- How's he settled in? 
Yeah, so he's. I think after the Community Shield was the last time we actually saw him play. We've caught, saw him come on against uh, when we were losing 4-1, but nobody's paying attention because we're all depressed. You know what it's like when you're losing to that kind of, well, not for a while, but when you're losing that kind of score, you're just like, yeah, this is just terrible. I'm not concentrating on anything now. Hey, mate, you did, gonna... you did it to us last season. We, we're well yeah. aware of what it's like, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's... Um, it's that moment where you're like, I'm, I'm not watching football as much. Uh, do I support a football team? Do I want to do post-match commentary? No, we don't really. <laughs> uh, but no, essentially, he's, so he's not really had much of a play because basically we're saving him until we go into the Europa League. He's still going to learn the way we've got to play. He's, he's spent a lot of time in preseason and so on and so forth. However, he's going to be a bigger part player the more we go on in the season. Jamie Vardy is still raring to go, as, as, you, were, as you were saying. He's still, I think he's got a couple, uh, two goals and one assist so far in three games, which is still pretty good. Okay. And uh, so, <laughs> How yeah. old is he now? How old is Jamie Vardy now? 35, 34. Let okay. me check exactly. But Still um, rapid. Yeah, he's still he's still back to his old ways, and I think with the crowd being on side, and um, the, the worst thing that Man City fans can do is get on him. He's thirty four. He's thirty five in January. Um, mm. But the 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 uh, for Man City fans that are going, if you encourage him and you shout abuse at him, that is where he thrives. So feel free to do it. I say <laughs> feel free to go ahead and shout abuse because again, he just he looks back to his old self. However, against the Wolves game where he had a fantastic game. Star of the service, got a fantastic goal. Towards 70, so 76, 80 minutes, we'd use all of our three subs. And he looked to the bench and go, I can't continue. And Brendan Rodgers goes, you have to go for the next 14. So I can see this is where potentially in the future we had to change formations because of injuries and because certain players weren't working. We're going to see Pats and Dakar more. But for now, Jamie Vardy is still the main star man. And it's good that they're trying to bring him in slowly. And it'll take a year, just in the same way that Charles Yonchu was bought in a year before we saw Maguire to kind of bed him into the Premier League, see how good he is, um, make sure that he's at the right level before we introduce him fully. So, Pastor yeah. will be a good player, but I, I don't think you'll see him featuring for Man City. If he's going to feature, maybe he'll get 20 minutes at the end. To be honest, I find it a little bit bizarre, this idea of replacing your star striker. I mean, why why would you do that? It's just a weird thing to do. Like, you sell your... You, you start to lose your, your all-time goal scorer and, and you, you want to replace him. That's, that doesn't really... Is that, no. is that a thing? Do people yeah, if do you, that? If you let a star striker go, you have to not buy anybody else. That's the rule, isn't it? I thought that's, I thought that, that's that was what like everybody the did. Yeah. Thing. That's like the, <laughs> on, you know, what people do nowadays. False yeah. nine, what's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul, I want to ask you about uh, the international break because uh, obviously going into it, City had uh, five nil wins against Norwich and then uh, Arsenal. And then the international break comes along and kind of kills the momentum. How are you feeling about facing a team like Leicester straight off the back of it? Yeah, tough. Um, I don't think you could take much from the five nil in terms of momentum because, you know, within a couple of weeks, that's kind of gone. It's a big game. So I think the the players will be up for it anyway. Um, the key for me, I think, is just kind of just keeping possession and the fact that in the back of our head, it isn't the same team we had in the char- in the charity shield. It's it's completely different. Um, but yeah, the, I think the positive thing we can take from it from the first start to the game is is Torres playing up front because his runs. We didn't really miss that striker because of how his movement. So that's the one positive I've taken for the start of the season that I'll carry through to the to the Leicester game. I think, um, yeah. but in terms of momentum, I think with the international break, it's hard to it's hard to to take much. 
Yeah, so I mean, assuming from what you said there, you'd like to see Torres back in the team. Who else yeah. around him? Because obviously we don't know about Jesus. Let's assume Jesus and Edison are not there. Uh, who else would you like to see back in the team? I think um, you know Grealish, obviously. Um, De Bruyne, if, he, if he's getting back fit, um, and Sterling, yeah, because of the form he's been in. Um, but Leicester, uh, sorry, Mares playing Leicester again. Um, I think that could work. I think he'll be up for it, but. You know, it's, it's what that formation is going to look like. I think it's going to be the issue. Yeah, yeah, Chris, it's uh, it's a t- it's a tough selection, I guess. Um, but uh, let's uh, again, same question for you. Let's assume that Jesus isn't available. Who else do you pick around the, the front line? Definitely want to see Grealish involved. I think there'd be a bit of a bit of needle from him being former Villa. Leicester's a bit of a rivalry there, and in the, in the middle of those Midlands clubs, um, I think Grealish needs. Well, a couple of things. He needs to stop falling over um, as much. But I think to bring the best out in him, he needs to have a bit of needle in. He needs to have it sort of... In, he, in a way, he needs to be fouled. He needs to be annoyed to, to be at his best. He seems to be playing it a bit safe for us at the moment and just being, you know, happy to be a part of it and keeping possession and playing little layoffs and the odd... Um, step over, but in another layoff, I'd, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him be a bit more direct, and I'm hoping that the similarly to what uh, um, he was saying there earlier about um, Jamie Vardy thriving on people giving him grief. I want to. I hopefully Leicester will give Grealish a bit of grief and bring the best out in him. I'd like to see him get involved. Sterling, yeah, Sterling in place of Jesus, up for that. I found him a bit frustrating for England. Um, in that he just seemed to never make a decision to get the ball in when he should. He all, he all got a bit of Peter Beagrey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's but, a that's that's a reference there. There's going to be listeners who don't, who don't remember that, you know. <laughs> well, well, but but I mean, playing Leicester this time, it, it it's not great in my opinion. We've played Arsenal, who were abject. Um, <laughs> Norwich weren't great, but you know, you don't expect Norwich to be with all due respect. Um, one of the hardest teams that you're going to face. We've played Spurs, who are a decent team, and we came unstuck. So, you know, I would bracket Leicester in that bracket. <laughs> and, um, so it could be a could be a bit of a a wake up. Yeah, I mean, there is also the argument that you get the difficult games out of the way because I'd rather play Leicester now than in the running. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know. I suppose you've got to play everyone. I mean, you just get get yeah, get it done. But I've just a little bit. Um, I don't. What I'm. I suppose what I'm driving at is I don't think we should be too overconfident just because we've beat Arsenal, Norwich five nil. Because yeah. look what happened against Spurs. Yeah, Neil. It's um, you said last time you were on as well that it was important not to lose any key players uh, in the transfer window. The transfer window is now closed. Uh, how did that go? Have you uh, did, did anybody move away towards the end? Nothing of real concern in terms of our starting eleven. Normally, before the end of the year, before every transfer window, we've lost a main player for the starting eleven. This year, we haven't. We've lost Dennis Pratt, who is a very—he's a loved player at Leicester City, but he's one of the players that we love. But we knew that he wasn't going to get the game time here, so he's gone on to get game time somewhere else. Apart from that, nobody really else, to be honest. He's been the the main one. That's, but he's only going out on loan. So we've bought in players like Paxton Daka, Bubakari Samari, who you might see as well. Uh, Kinnan Jusby Hall, who's one to look out for, one from the academy who's doing fantastically well. Um, but yeah, overall in terms of the transfer window, we didn't lose anybody, which is 
again, it's, which some people say is a miracle, uh, but we would say, yeah, it, it's kind of to progress to the next level, you can't keep selling all your best players. And I'm really glad that this year they haven't. Yeah, I mean, you heard from Chris and Paul how how nervous City, or, or so, let's say some City fans, because I, I appreciate there'll be some listening to this that will be thumping the chest and going, "We can beat anybody on our day." So let's let, let you know, let's not be afraid of anyone. Uh, but Chris, Paul, bit nervous about this one. Uh, I, I am a bit nervous as well. How's how's the feeling from the Leicester side of things? I think we're slightly apprehensive, uh, but confident at the same time. Anytime we play against the top six teams, Leicester tend to raise their game. Uh, the beating the big, like going head to head with a big six team, we can do it. It's the beating the likes of the Newcastles, the the Fulhams, of, uh, not Fulham anymore, sorry, the Norwiches, for example, that we tend to be our our Achilles heel. Uh, but yeah, so. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, we'll see because I think we've, I've just been listening to the press conference as well and some of the highlights. Uh, Johnny Evans of Vestergaard, to bit again, Vestergaard we brought in the window and Johnny Evans, a massive, massive player for us at the back. I think it was linked with you guys before we got relegated. Um, a fantastic, fantastic player, but he needs that in terms of, we need that kind of defensive solidity. He brings age and experience, which is fantastic, but with him out of the side, We've looked very, very shaky at the back. So hopefully he's back. He's got, I think, plantar fascia or something like that. I, I, I don't know my injuries. It's something that you look into <laughs> when your players has it. You go, yep, yep, I know all about that. Um, but yes, so hoping that probably we'll go to a back three. I think that's what the fans are talking about. We don't know what Brendan Rodgers will do. However, we're looking short on centre-backs at the moment. It's a real, real problem. So, But if everything from the press conference comes true, then it looks like we'll have a back three of Daniel Amate, Siunchu and Evans through the middle, which was the same back three that we played in the 5-2. Again, I don't think it'll be a 5-2. I think we potentially could take a win because you have to believe in your own team. But yeah, it's going to. It's, I think it's going to be a good game and I think it's probably the best game of the weekend as well. Yeah, Paul, I mean, Neil mentioned the fans there as well. There's the other side of it where, you know, last season City City did well in these tough away games, I guess, by, you know, just playing their own game. They didn't have the influence of the fans in the stands. That's going to change things a little bit, isn't it, this year? I think so. I think, I think with an away game, you're in danger of getting sort of killed off in a very short space of time. You know, it's happened in Liverpool quite a lot. Over the so, years, a bit Leicester before as well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, ex- exactly. So, um, yeah, it is an extra dynamic. You are you are playing extra man, and I think it is those key moments of the game um, that, if the momentum goes one way, it can really kind of hit you. So that's why I think it's key that we control the game. Really, I think. Yeah. Well, Neil, we've got uh, the charity bet coming up a little later on. Uh, what's your score prediction for that? I'm going to have to back my team and say a 2-1. I could easily say see it as a draw, but I, I'm going to have to sway my and say Jamie Vardy double for this one. Uh, that uh, a, a Jamie Vardy double would not surprise anybody this end. Let me put it that way. He's got a he's got a knack, hasn't he, of finding the net against City. So uh, Neil, thank you very much, Neil from Beyond the Ninety LCFC. Brilliant, thank you. Time now to look ahead to City's game with RB Leipzig on Wednesday. Uh, this is the first of the Champions League group games and it's the group of death. So just a quick reminder of the group from pot one, obviously, with City as the Premier League champions. Uh, pot two was PSG for the uh, league and runners up. Uh, pot three was RB Leipzig, uh, the Bundesliga runners up. And pot four was Club Bruges, the uh, Jupiler League champions. Um, so, Paul, when you think about City's group for this one, um, it's it's not an easy group, is it? No, I mean, PSG are probably 
joint favourites favourites for City, I imagine, and then to have strong teams like Leipzig and and, and Bruges in the same team, in the same group, it is it, tough. Um, I think every game is going to be a really good one, though. Um, there's no kind of foregone game there where we think you know it's going to be quite comfortable. For they're all going to be quite tough. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. I think the interest. Well, I think the the interesting thing for this is is that it's it's not it's not one of these years where it would be a walk in the park to get through the group. City could quite easily muck this up if they get things wrong, couldn't they? Definitely, um, not taking anything for granted. Obviously, your first sort of cause for concern would be PSG, but um, Leipzig coming off the back of a great season last season. And uh, Bruges always always strong as well. So, yeah, it could be tricky if you uh, potential banana skins. Yeah, well, let's introduce uh, Guido Schaefer, who is the chief reporter for the Leipziger Volse Tung. Uh, I, I, Guido, I, I hope I've said that right. I'm guessing I haven't. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm a chief reporter from the Leipziger Volkszeitung in Leipzig. Yes. There we go. So, that, I mean, that's a much better pronunciation than I, than I could ever come up with. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the feeling like with, uh, with Leipzig at the moment for this draw, given that, uh, that it's, it's a group with City and PSG? Yes, it's. Uh, I, I don't know exactly if, if you have a great luck or is a, is a big pity, but but I think it's a is a sensational group. Group A is the best group in the uh, Champions League, and uh, if if you can manage this group, then you are a hero. And if they fall out of the group, then it's the normal thing is happened. And uh, we are looking forward for for this very nice clubs and legendary players from Man City and also from. Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, hopes for the group, what will what will Leipzig hope, be hoping to achieve in the in the group? Is it, do they do, do they think they've got a chance of, of one of the top two places, or is it maybe a Europa League spot they're after? In the moment, uh, the the situation is, is difficult. In the Bundesliga, they had uh, three games and only uh, three points. That's not enough for a title and and uh, for for a good. Uh, feeling now, but uh, all the the players, staff, the coaches are very happy with this with this group, and also with Man City, Manchester City, and they are very brave. They have they have also talent and uh, and a strategy, and I think they have a little chance to 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 reach it the the next group, the next final. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. StatCity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. Check out exclusive city interviews on our website, bluemoonpodcast.com. What's the impression of city from from Leipzig? How, how are the fans there feeling about uh, about about playing city? Yes, it's the, one of the biggest uh, clubs in the world uh, in Leipzig. We know all of uh, Manchester City. It's not only a, a rich club; it's 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 a club with with a with a legendary coach, Pep Guardiola. Uh, we we loved him in, in Germany since his time at Bayern Munich. And there are many many skillful, lovely players: Gündogan, De Bruyne, Foden. Um, the respect is very very great, but also the happiness to 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 meet this uh, team here in Leipzig or also in Manchester. And 
it's it's no doubt about it that Manchester City is uh, superior in almost every way. Every way in in their greater club, they are more, more skillful players and more money. But on one single day, it's possible to make a miracle and to win against the Man City, Manchester yeah. City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you when you hear it like that, Paul, as well. I mean, we we look at it the other way. I, I think as City, in, in that we always think that God, it's it's always City that doesn't show up on the big occasions, and the opposition always play really well. Um, does that make you you nervous as a fan of of City to watch to to to, to have to face a team like Leipzig? Uh, not 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 so much anymore. I think uh, it's just the way we've said, we've said over the last few years. The typical City way is gone a little bit because of Pep's style you know if you control the game there's less chance of these ridiculous things happening to you so uh no I'm 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 still uh still think the way we're set up to play should hopefully kind of allow us to control the game and and, and win but yeah we'll see Chris when when you think of of the fact that we talked as well about about being bored of playing teams like Shakhtar year after year after year um the group of death is a good thing isn't it it means that there's jeopardy for once in the group stage yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, just just to avoid Shakhtar is uh, is a bonus. But I don't. I mean, the group of death. I'm looking at the other groups, and there's tough teams in all of those groups. I don't know. Maybe it's probably Liverpool's is pretty tough, isn't it, with Atletico and Milan and Porto? But yeah, we definitely got the toughest. Um, Paris, Leipzig had a great season last year. Bruges, you'd expect to be. You'd expect to beat Bruges more confidently than you would, say, Leipzig. But yeah, there's always always the potential for banana skins. I'm still in the uh, the old school sort of uh, mentality as a city fan of you know viewing everything with trepidation, thinking, yeah, we're definitely going to cock this up. <laughs> yeah, Guido, who are, if City are going to cock this up, uh, who are the players that are likely to do it for Leipzig? Who are the who are the danger players? The the danger players from Leipzig. Yeah. All of them, all of them. <laughs> no, all of them. Yeah. Now we have we have a, a new coach also, uh, Jesse Marsh, and uh, he's very uh, positive man from USA, and he's a he's a ball hunter, and this is very interesting. If it's possible to to hunt the ball, to 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 steal the ball against this ball machines, the combination machines from Manchester City, and this is a tragedy to steal balls and to go straight ahead in the box. And they have many good players, young players. Christopher Nkungu, French player, very good technique man. Emil Forsberg, you know him from Sweden. He's a very good, good guy and uh, with experience. And uh, I think is is a talent group, a very good squad. And uh, in uh, in my opinion, they have a very good pace in the team and the team spirit. And it could be dangerous also for a world class team like Manchester City or Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in uh, the new coach's style. Is he? How, how similar is he to uh, to Nagelsmann? Uh, there's no, he's he's not near to Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann is 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 a kind of uh, is, a, is a son from from Pep Guardiola. He loves the style from Pep Guardiola, ball possession, and uh, and to to play with the ball and not not the the first aim is not to to play against the ball but with the ball and. Um, uh, Jesse Marsh is complete other other guy. He is make pressing pressing machines in the, in this team. Is a pressing machine. They want to get the ball and to go through in the in the box. And um, 
very fast and tough and this is the question of this games against Manchester City if it's possible to steal them some balls. Yeah, so it could be quite an open game then in that sense, Paul. Um, I, I, I guess Guardiola will want teams to try and press them because that's when City get the space to try and play the play the way they want to play as well. I think so. I think, um, you know, let's see how the, how the game transpires. But yeah, Pep, Pep loves that. I think if you have a team that sits in and it, and it works for them, you see the momentum kind of gradually shifts in their favour as it did sort of, sort of with Chelsea, I guess, in the Champions League final. So yeah, if... if um, if they're going to go at City, I think that would be something we'd uh, be appreciate. Yeah, would you would you worry about the the pressure on uh, the defense, Chris? In in that uh, you look at, uh, at, at the pairings that City could put up for this. You know, Stones and Diaz could be Laporte and Diaz could be Laporte and Stones. They've all had really good. Well, Stones and Diaz last season really good. Laporte really good start to this season. They they should be comfortable with that, should they? Well, the should should being the the operative word there. Um, I mean, from what. Um, Guido was saying, "It sounds as though it could be the, you know, the archetypal um, thorn in our side kind of mm. opposition in terms of we have this possession football. And if they're, you know, trying to steal balls, I mean, we tend to camp out in the final third, don't we, a bit, and pick for openings and pull pull defenses apart a bit. The style that Guido's talking about is that like a is that Guido is that like a." Gegen press is that the, the yes, term? Yes, it's called. Yeah, it's, it's, it's called gang pressing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Yes. And that's quite risky, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, it is risky. Yes, yes. It's very risky. And uh, mm. um, when uh, Jesse Marsh was coach from from RB Salzburg, he played this risky system also against Bayern Munich, and they lost two six at mm. home against Bayern Munich. It's it's risky. And it's it's funny and risky. <laughs> yeah. Funny. <laughs> Well, I mean, you got you got to um, speculate to accumulate. I mean, if you don't take risks in football, you don't get yes. anywhere. There's yeah, always the fallback. If you don't get out of the group, then there is the Europa, and you've got a young team which are suited to that high energy style. So, yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, Guido. In terms of um, obviously with with the pressing and with the with the style of play like that, um, how? How will Leipzig cope if City have got a lot of possession in the final third or around the edge of their area? I don't know if it if it works, but uh, I know there's uh, there's uh, brave. They are very brave and they are paceful and powerful and with a great spirit. And they want to steal every every single ball. And I don't know if it's uh, it's, it's possible to manage it against uh, this team. They are so so technical, world class players, and it's it's very. Very, um, I don't know the word now. Uh, it's not easy to 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 steal a ball against Gundogan or or against the De Bruyne, mm. but they they will try uh, their best, their best. And Marsh said we need we need uh, we need power and we need uh, brain. And and sometimes on some days the brain and character can beat uh, um, the class, the world class. Yeah, Paul. Obviously, this is uh, City's opening game of the group. It's uh, it's the team from Pot Three, and it's at home. Given who else is in the group, uh, normally I wouldn't say that the first first game of the group is a is a must win. Given that circumstance, though, is it a must win? I mean, if it, I, I think so. I, I think if we lose, I don't think we'll be panicking about going out. But I think it's one that Pep needs to sort of really set the tone on that this needs to be the game that we win, just because. It, you know, years ago, was it City didn't get through with nine, ten points? Yeah. Um, you've just got to kind of 
really go for it on this one because you're not you're certainly not going to have the two easy games against PSG. Um, Club Brugge isn't going to be easy, so yeah, I think uh, we need, probably need to really get get the three points against Leipzig. Not even just for, not even just for the Champions League. I think the, the ripples mm. sort of psychologically, if we if to lose this opening game in the a game that we are expected to win, it kind of you know sets you back a little uh, confidence wise on a, a more general sense. Yeah, there's there's one player I wanted to ask about Guido as well because obviously City fans know Angelino. He moved there uh, last uh, last February on a on a permanent deal. How's he been yes. doing at uh, at left back? Oh, he's he's doing very well in the in the first month, the first half season. Um, he was the the best um, left winger in in the Bundesliga. Powerful. Very good, very good, very self-confident, and he 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 made every single minute he played very good. Uh, he scored, and uh, then got a little difficulties with his uh, with a little injury, and he thought must play uh, with the injury. And Nagelsmann said, "No, Angel, you're not able," and therefore um, he wasn't in the squad in the in the cup final against uh, Dortmund, and. From this time on, he's not this 100% Angelino we, we, we came to know uh, one year ago. In this moment, he's not uh, 100% fit and I think he's perhaps he will, he will play uh, against Man, uh, Manchester City, but the, more, uh, the very important match is now on, on uh, Sunday, Saturday against Bayern Munich at home. And uh, it's also important for the for the season, for the whole season, for also for the Manchester uh, match because when they when they will lose against Bayern, then they have three points from four matches, and uh, this is a, a crisis then. But Angelino, I love him. He's he's skillful, but he's um, he's like a like a children sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the Bayern Munich game uh, at weekend because City have uh, what I think is a tough game against Leicester. Uh, obviously Leipzig have a, a tough game against uh, against Bayern. Could that impact this game do you think Guido? Yes, yes, of course. Of course. If they will win uh, against Bayern Munich, they, they will win <laughs> in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about uh, Paul, how about if City beat Leicester they'll uh, they'll win against Leipzig. Does it go the same way? <laughs> Yeah, no, well, sometimes it works like that, sometimes it doesn't. On Angelino, you said, is he playing left left midfield or left wing, or is he, is he playing as a left fullback still? Or he, he, he plays uh, also a left defender and yep. a, a very often a left defender, but in this season he, he played not one match, I think half a match, because of his uh, little injury with a muscle. And uh, now they have on the on the right side uh, Josko Guardiol from uh, Croatia, and he he did a good job. And therefore, I think he will not play against Bayern. Perhaps he will play against his, his former club, Manchester City. Yeah, Paul, you're, you're you're just reminiscing of the days where City had an actual left back at left back, aren't you? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I probably have him back at City now if he wanted to come back, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We're still, yeah. I mean, if you went out to sign someone, that'd be someone we'd be looking at, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, final question, Guido. How um, how have Leipzig started uh, this season performance wise? Because obviously you said uh, results haven't been fantastic. Yes. Um, in terms of performances, how have they been? The performances uh, wasn't so good. Uh, they they lost in Mainz. 
was my former club, Mainstall Firms, and uh, you're not, it's not allowed to lose in Mainz when you, when you want to win titles against Stuttgart. They, they won 4 0, was a fantastic match with a, with a brilliant Dominic Schoboschlei. He's the man with a golden left, uh, right foot. And then they lose in, uh, a one in, in, in Wolfsburg. I think it's, it's, they work in progress. A new, a new coach, a new system, some new players without Upamecano, without Konate. And without Marcel Zabitzer, work in progress, but uh, I think um, there's a little chance on on Tuesday, uh, on Wednesday, a little, little, little chance. So time to get some predictions on the board. And this season is really starting to hot up now as we begin two games a week. And that means twice the chances on today's show to open the charity bet account for this term. Each of the panel gets a £10 correct score single from William Hill. The money raised is going to the Man City fans food bank support in aid of the Trussell Trust, which helps people who can't afford to eat. Uh, Let's start with the Leicester game. Uh, We heard earlier on that Neil is going for a 2-1 Leicester win, which is 18 to 1 and £180 if he's right. Uh, Paul, what are you having for that one? I'm going to go 2-1 to City for that one. 2-1 uh, City is 15-2 to two and £75 if you're right. Chris, what's yours for that? Goals, goals, goals. I'm going 3-2 uh, City. 3-2 City is 25-1 to one and £250 if you're right. And uh, that takes us to the midweek game with Leipzig. Uh, Guido, let's start with you. What's, uh, what's your prediction for this one? Oh, yes. 2-2. Um, uh, 2-2 two, two. Uh, for that is 20-1 uh, <laughs> to one and £200 if you're right. Uh, Paul, what are you having? Uh, I'm going to hope we the, the the press is too risky and we take advantage of it. I'm going to go three 0 to City. Three uh, 0 City is uh, eight to one and eighty pounds. You can hear Guido laughing there. Chris, are you, are you going for uh, for a tighter game? Uh, yeah, I'm going for a, not that many goals, a bit cagey. Uh, I think Pep is going to be pretty pragmatic about it and um, not throw much caution to the wind. I'm going to go one 0 City. 1-0 City is 7-1 to one and £70 if you're right. Remember, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change and please gamble responsibly. If you'd like more information on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Guido, thank you very much for uh, joining us for this. You're welcome. I'll be there in Manchester on Wednesday. Well, uh, have a have a good trip, but not too thank good you. a trip. Um, we, <laughs> hope it's, uh, we hope it's a City win. <laughs> thank you. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Now, time to move on. And when Joe Royal arrived at Manchester City, he turned to a veteran player to try and put the brakes on the club's downward slide. One of his first signings was a centre-back he'd worked with at Oldham, Richard Jobson. I've been speaking to the defender to talk through his City career, starting with his arrival in 1998. I've been at Leeds for about three seasons, but the last year at Leeds, um, I was... I was injured, um, hadn't played at all. Um, it looked like I was going to have to retire through the injury that I had, but I managed to battle my way back to some sort of fitness. Um, and I, I played a few games for the reserves at, at Leeds. But by that stage, the, the first team had moved on in terms of you know younger players coming through, you know Jonathan Woodgates, people like that. Um, so I had to go out on loan to uh, South End of all places, which, which was fine. I went down there for a couple of months to get some first team games under my belt. Um, and I was on the verge of actually signing as a as a player coach with Alvin Martin as manager there. Um, and then I, I got a phone call from Joe Rawl out of the blue. Um, obviously knew Joe, Joe from my time at um, Oldham Athletic in the um, early nineties when we had um, three really good years in the in the Premier League. Um, and so he said, um, you know, I think Joe had only taken over um, about 
six or seven weeks previously at Man City, and obviously we were struggling towards the bottom end of the um, the championship. Um, and so um, headed over to to Main Road the following day and and, and signed. So it was a, um, as they say, a no brainer in terms of you know signing for for City. Um, especially as it meant that I wouldn't have to move house. If it had gone down south end, obviously I'd have had to sell up, had a young family and everything. So it worked out um, uh, quite well. Um, played the first sort of five, six games then got a, another injury, an ankle injury. Um, so I didn't play for the rest of that season. And then I didn't play for the, the whole of the next season, which culminated obviously in the team winning at uh, Wembley against Gillingham. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at uh, at when you arrived at City as well. Uh, I mean, we we spoke to Joe Royal a few years ago and and to Willie Donachie as well, and it, like they that they were both saying that the that the squad because of of the number of managers that City had had over the previous few years and and the changes that had happened kind of behind the scenes, uh, there, there was almost fifty players on the books at the at the time. What what was that like coming into that sort of environment? Um, yeah, it was it, it was difficult. Yeah, and in in fact, I was given uh, the kit number. Uh, 53. So uh, that just shows you how many how many players they had there. Um, as as you rightly said, there there was just seemed to be an accumulation of players over the you know the two previous um, seasons, um, which often happens when uh, clubs change their managers on a regular basis. So I think I think Joe was you know trying to sort sort out the the squad. Um, you know he came in you know two thirds of the way through the season and the obviously the sole aim was just to stay in that um division. So there was there was players all over the place. Um I think I think Joe had brought in a few other players um along along with me. I think Sean Gota signed a couple of days just after me as well. Um but unfortunately, you know, it did it didn't work out and um we got we got relegated. But um yeah I remember I remember there was a hell of a lot of players knocking about. I think we were we, we were getting changed at Main Road. Um at the time, and then we were just driving across to to Platt Lane, where the the, the training uh, ground was. Uh, they didn't have any sort of proper changing facilities to, um, there, so um, it's, it's always it's always difficult um, as, as a player, um, you know, signing for a, for a club halfway through a season because you've got to hit the ground running. You know, I think the first session was on the, the Thursday, and then thrown straight into the first team on the Saturday. And I think we. We lost the first game game away at uh, Port Vale two one I think it was but uh, yeah it was it was, it was a tough time for for everyone concerned um, yeah yeah I mean uh, when did you realise uh, kind of what the situation was like at City when when you got there because there's like like we're saying they'd been through so many so many managers there were so many players there the uh, they were battling against relegation I mean it was it, it, they were expected when they when they'd gone down from the Premier League they were expected to challenge for promotion and they were just so far from it when when did when did all that kind of click into place for you and, and did you realise what a job you, like the team had on from that from when you arrived. Um, yeah, I knew it was always it was going to be tough, and that was the reason they, they brought um, uh, Joe in. Um, and obviously, he was the, the fact that Joe was trying to get as many players um, there as possible um, that he'd, he'd known previously. Um, I, I think also the, the transfer window was coming to a uh, to a close as well. Yeah, you, know, you know the normal transfer window, which I think was the fourth Saturday in. Um, in March, I think it was. So he was trying to trying to get as many um, new players in as possible, and to to you know help the, help the club stay in that division. Unfortunately, it didn't it didn't work out. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean that atmosphere 
um, was okay when I, when I joined the club. You know, just the fact that there were so many players knocking about, and you know, some players um, obviously weren't involved at all. Um, I think there was there was that many players. I think there was sort of two squads training. You know, there was a, a squad of sort of 18, 20 players that, that Joe and Willie were working with. Then there was a completely other squad that I think um, someone like Ace Harper was dealing with them. Um, but um, it, it was it was just a, a case of you know tr- trying to survive that season, season, then regroup in the summer. There was a lot of players out of contract um, that obviously Joe Joe moved on that summer. Um, but again, the problem is the start of the following season. Um, there was it, it took until Christmas time from recollection. I wasn't involved at all because of injury. Um, you know to get the thing um, moving again, um, and they managed to scrape into the playoffs as we all remember. Yeah, I mean, and as you say, you, you missed the whole of the next season, uh, which culminated in the playoff final. I mean, that's that. Uh, you you must have been worried at two 0 to Gillingham as well. You must have been worried that that again. You you stuck on the sidelines, seeing it all happen once again. Yeah, it was that was really tough again. You know, sat in the stands at Wembley, you know, watching the first goal go in from Gillingham, and then obviously the second one. And you're thinking that absolutely no way. And then obviously the the goal, the first goal that was pulled back just before um, the ninety minutes were up and. You know that you could you could hear the you know you could feel the the whole um, uh, city end. You know the, the the crowd just went absolutely crazy, and um, you know it's it one of the most fantastic experiences I've ever you know wit- um, you know I had. You know the fact that um, coming back down from two 0 down and obviously into extra time, which um, nothing really happened in the half an hour, but then obviously went to the the penalties. But that was a um, a, a great experience for the club and. Um, it, you know, again, you were sat in the stand, and not being able to do anything about it. It was really frustrating, um, but um, you know, it was a, it was the you know a great result for the for the club, and everyone um, relates back to that um, now, twenty years on, and, and rightly so. You know, that was a huge turning point um, from from the club because if if they hadn't have won that, you know, who knows what might have happened. The new owners might have looked elsewhere, and um, you know, who knows where we would be. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously, Joe brought you back in for the the start of the next season. Um, how much how much had changed around Main Road at that time? Because because I, I'm conscious that when you when you started playing for City in the, those first few games in the relegation season, the mood would have been very different to how it was having just one promotion. Yeah, there was certainly a, a, a different mood um, around the place. Uh, Joe had uh, you know managed to. Um, you know, sort the the squad out in terms of uh, numbers. You know, a lot of players had, had moved on. He, he had a more tight knit uh, group of players, and he um, over the, the previous twelve months and, and that that summer after the Gillingham final at Wembley, had uh, brought in um, some more of his own players. Um, I think there was people like um, I think Mark Kennedy. That was a that was a big signing. Um, you know, obviously Andy Morris had come in the previous year, and that that was a, a big signing for the club as well in terms of galvanising the players in the changing room. Um, yeah, so so there, there was there was a, certainly um, a different note, and there was there was a certain amount of momentum behind the the, the squad of players, and and we took that straight into the um, into the following season. I, I don't think we were um, close to any of the favourites to go up again because it's a very difficult job to do to get back to back promotions, but. That is effectively what happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to ask what Main Road was was like to play at because obviously now there's a there's a generation of City fans that have never experienced what what Main Road was like. So can you can you kind of sum up what what it was like on the on the pitch at that time? 
Um, yeah, I mean, it was a you know an old-fashioned traditional stadium. You know, it was it, you know it just had a, a unique atmosphere. Um, you know, the, 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 the I, I played at um, at Main Road. You know, when there was the old uh, terrace on the Kipak stand, and, and that was a you know fantastic atmosphere there. And um, obviously, the, they had the you know the fantastic big stand built there. Um, you know, very imposing. You know, used to run out to the tunnel before the game, um, and it was a huge stand. Um, and then they had the temporary stand, if you remember, in the in the corner. I think they might have put another one up in the, the other corner as well. You know, to to get the fans in. You know, you remember them, all the fans. You know, sat there without any cover, with the you know the um, the waterproof jackets on them being provided. In the you know, so it was. It, it, I mean, it was a, it was a great atmosphere playing at um, Main Road. Um, I mean, I think that might have been a bit of an issue in previous years. That you know the, the fans were were struggling with the home form because of you know the, the pressure that was put on them. You know, there were expectations from, from the huge crowds, and it, and it clearly was lifting the opposition when they were coming to to Main Road playing in front of a packed house. You know, some of the teams we were playing in those days, your, your Macclesfield Towns and your York Cities and Colchester's and possibly Wiccan Wanderers, you know, who used to playing in front of three, four, five, six thousand, and then all of a sudden turn up at, at Main Road in front of, you know, 25,000, 30,000. So, um, I mean, that, that was, <clears throat> I mean, Willie might well have t- told the story about us, um, you know, doing our warm-up, not on the pitch at Main Road. We, we used to get a minibus around the back of the Kipaks to a, a little infant school and, and doing our warm-up in their, um, in their school hall and then get a minibus back, you know, 15, 20 minutes before kick-off because... I think Willie's argument was that you know it's the, the, you know the, the, the players were getting to a bit of a negative vibe, you know, warming up in front of uh, <laughs> the fans, you know, half an hour before kickoff, and it seemed seemed to work. We did it every season. We got into a bit of a routine. Yeah. So uh, obviously we get to that uh, that that promotion. I mean, first off, there's the Birmingham game on the on the Friday night at Main Road, uh, which I I remember from from being in the stands as being as as a very very tense game. Um, especially with it being a, a like a narrow one nil win as well. Um, how how were you feeling when the fans invaded the pitch, even though the job wasn't quite done? It still needed Ipswich to lose the next day. Yeah, that was that was a really tense time. Um, like I said it was on the Friday night. Um, I mean, for the for the whole of the season, it was the, the three clubs going for the two automatic promotion spots. Ourselves, Charlton, and uh, Ipswich. Charlton were always um, slightly ahead of us and Ipswich and. You know, it, every time we win again, Ipswich seemed to win as well. So um, we just couldn't shake them off. Yeah, going into that penultimate game, it was a must-win game. It was very tense. I think we, we scored. I think Bob Taylor scored after 15, 20, 25 minutes, which took a bit of pressure off the off the players and um, um, obviously the, 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 the fans. But I mean, I just remember the atmosphere. You know, under floodlights on a Friday evening. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic atmosphere and. Um, it was, you know, the fact that it was only one nil. Um, you know, we only had a one goal cushion. It was very, very tense, um, and there was um, there was a huge relief at the end of the game. And I remember the fans running onto the pitch, and you know, it was I mean, it was understandable. Um, but then we all had to wait for the following day when um, I think Ipswich were playing um, away at Charlton. I think Charlton had been promoted the previous week, so uh, I think they won out. They went out about three 0 winners in the end. So obviously, which meant it went to the last game of the season. Yeah, so it gets to Blackburn. Um, how how was everybody feeling before the game? Um, very very tense. Um, I remember we stayed in a hotel not far from 
Blackburn. You know, it's you know, you, there's a lot hanging around. It's 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 not it's it's difficult. You know, in, in the lead up to the game because you know, you just sat around, just you know, looking at your watches, just you know, just biding your time, just waiting for the game. Really, um, remember the pre the pre match meal. I think the kickoff was probably about two, three o'clock on the Sunday afternoon. It was a it was a very warm day, which you know, is, as a player, is not great. You know, because you know, you're running around in the the heat, you know, for ninety minutes. Um, I remember the pitch wasn't very good; it's very bobbly, and ball was bouncing around all over the place. Um, but you know, the, the players were in, you know, in good spirits. I think we just needed a draw, um, which was always difficult because, you know, do you try and you know block out and try and get a nil-nil, or do you, do you try and go for it? Um, yeah, it was a it was a strange old game because I think I think they hit the woodwork. Um, about three or four times, um, you know, and, and only managed to score one goal. But um, yeah, it, it, was, it was amazing how it turned turned out. You know, with us scoring the four goals, and yeah, you know, Black, I think Blackburn had nothing to play for. Um, I said that, you know, the manager was Graham Soonis, and uh, he just wanted to get one over on on, on City. So um, he certainly wound the the players up. I think um, a couple of weeks previously, was it Charlton had. Um, Secure promotion there, and they were celebrating the change room. So I think he, he told the players before the game they didn't want that to happen again. But they were really up for it, the Blackburn players, um, surprisingly. So for the you know their last game of the season, where they were sort of mid-table, nothing to play for. But um, yeah, it could have easily gone the, the other way if some of those um, um, you know shots that hit the woodwork for Blackburn had, had gone in. I think if we'd have gone two 0 gone down two 0 then it would have been very tough for us. And if we'd have gone to the playoffs, I'm not too sure. Um, we would have um, managed to get ourselves out of the playoffs because it would have been so demoralised, you know, having not got automatic promotion. Yeah, I mean, when you mentioned there the Blackburn hitting the woodwork, there was one incident where uh, Nicky Weaver said he actually thought it was going to be City's day when um, I think it was uh, Ashley Ward uh, beat Richard Edgill, bent it round him, and it hit the post and then just dropped straight back into his hands. And he said at, at that point, I'm just thinking, we can't lose this as, as mad as it sounds. Yeah, I can remember that. Uh, it was the start of the second half, wasn't it? I, th- I think uh, Blackburn got, got their goal just before half time, so we came in at half time, you know, and. Um, um, Ipswich were leading that that got leaked through to the hard time. Um, I think I think Joe said to us part of the team talk hard time that um, we'd we'd never um, we, we we we'd never not scored um, in um, any game that season. So he said, look, you know, as long as you don't concede any more goals, we're one nil down. Obviously, um, then we should be okay because we've always scored. Um, which um, I think was just a bit of kidology because we realised that wasn't the case. But um, and then, as you as you right said, that that shot that um, rebounded off the post, Nicky Reaver turned round and it just bounced into his arms. And you're thinking this could possibly be our day. I think that was the fourth time they hit the footwork. And then, um, obviously, short, Sean Goatis started the um, you know the four goals um, about 10 or 15 minutes later. But once the uh, once the that first goal went in, you know the you can see the, the Blackburn players, you know, the the the, the heads went down, and um, you know, obviously the, the city fans, which were all over the stadium and outside as well, um, you know, re- really got behind the players, and um, you know, once we get to, you know, sort of two one three one, especially four one, you know, it was the last ten or fifteen minutes were absolutely fantastic because there was no way we we weren't going to get promoted. Please give us your backing. 
patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast there's an extended version of that interview with richard jobson out now for our patreon backers for all levels just go and take a look at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast it will be available for free at the end of the season as well and that's it for this week's blue moon podcast thank you very much for listening if you've enjoyed this week's show then don't forget to go and give it a rating and a review in all the usual places but especially on apple podcasts if you can we're always grateful for your support on patreon as well so if you sign up for that for just two pounds per month you'll get access to our bonus series of shows they're all new this season and the most recent is the first in the new series of our panel talking through their city shirts as they were growing up kieran murray is on the case for that one just head over to patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast for more details thanks also to my guests this week paul atherton cheers man and chris higginbottom so very much i'll be back next week and i'll see you then the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast